Tonight's Bible reading comes from John 22, 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled, moved, removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples on the one Jesus loved and said, they have been, they had taken the Lord from out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at strips of linen lying there, but they did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. They saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked. And looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They, had, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and, he, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she had not realized that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is this you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Mag. Delene went to the disciples with news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that what she had, what he had said to these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to have you here with us, even though we are few in number. It is great to gather together. And uh, I'm going to be touching on something that I mentioned in the Good Friday message. So those who are here for Good Friday, please bear with me. Um, But I believe that it does have significance to uh, what we're looking at this evening. And... um, I wonder why you are here, and it's possibly not as relevant for us in the crowd that we have here right now, but some of us are coming just to please someone else sometimes to church. Some of us are coming just because it's something good to do on a Sunday night, and the reality is there's some of you here, uh, I think I know why you're here, but if I was to know your thoughts right now, I might be quite shocked with the real reasons why you're here. But the simple reality is, I'm here today not because of the Bible. I'm here today because something happened a couple of thousand years ago. And I believe that that something that happened a couple of thousand years ago was truly amazing. And I believe it is the truth. And I believe that thing is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. 
And I think there's enough evidence for us to know that that is the case. And it goes without saying that there's many who are arguing against Christianity at the moment in our world. And I would love to be able to say that I'm this really articulate person who can come up with these great uh, apologetics and respond to people's questions in a way that just has them overawed at the wisdom and knowledge that I can share. But that is not me. I am simply not like that. I cannot provide the apologetics that so many people do. But I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I believe that's without question. One evidence is the book, and I, I think this book is an amazing thing. And um, when we see the books that are contained within Scripture, uh, we see that in the Old Testament, there are books that were written thousands of years ago. And still, through the Old Testament, and in fact, through the whole Bible, there is one common thread. And we know as Christians that all of the Old Testament is pointing towards the promised Messiah. All of the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus. Then the four Gospels that we have are telling us the story about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And from that point on, it's telling us about how we should live and how we should prepare for when Christ is going to return as judge of the entire world and to bring things to a conclusion. This is a book about Jesus and it teaches us everything we need to know. It provides all the answers that we should have. And uh, I want to ask you a question and uh, those in my connect group, uh, this is what that question was all about. And uh, someone did click that was perhaps about a sermon preparation. So if I was to say to you, many people came to my house, I wonder what you would think. And I, I asked this of my connect group and there was varying answers. One person said 15, two people said 20, four said 30, three said 40 and one said 50. So many people is a lot. So when you think of the many, I wonder what that means to you. And when we look at Luke, Luke chapter 1, in as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses, ministers of the word, have delivered them to us. This is talking about Jesus and is saying that there was many people who compiled stories about Jesus. Now, I want you to think about the time that this was written. If these people were gathered together, they wouldn't have Bibles and chunks of paper in their hands like you do. It wasn't cheap to actually produce written products. It wasn't anywhere near as expensive as some would have you believe, but it wasn't a cheap thing. And as a result, they only wrote about highly significant matters. They only wrote about highly significant people. They didn't write about robbers. They didn't write about thieves. They didn't write about criminals who were crucified. And the very fact that many wrote about Jesus is evidence about the impact that he had at that time and the significance his life had. Jesus is a historical figure. There's only one question you need to ask yourself. Is he the son of God? Is he who he claimed himself to be? That's the only question you need to answer because Jesus himself is a historical fact. We have four gospels, which are the stories and accounts of Jesus. There were many more that were written. And I think that's a testimony to the huge significance and impact that Jesus had upon society. And the account that we have before us is the account of John. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, how you heard it said in that passage of scripture. John is an eyewitness to what occurred. 
And John simply writes what he sees. He doesn't embellish it. There isn't anything extra there. He just gives you exactly what he was a witness to and what he saw. And so I believe this account is 100% accurate. I believe it is 100% exactly what um, John actually saw. And uh, I think when we think about Jesus' death and his resurrection, the two go hand in glove. They can't be separated. You can't have one without the other. And there's clear reasons for that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can hold your word in our hands. I thank you for the power of that word. I thank you it continues to transfer lives. I thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit speaking and investing in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that tonight Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us, that you'll open our hearts and our minds to hear from you, that we'll have a willingness to receive your message and that that will change us, Lord, that we will be moved one step closer to you. Father, please use this word to transform someone's life tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm having troubles with my slides, guys. Is there a reason for that? Thank you. So simply this evening we're speaking about Jesus and the fact that he is risen. And obviously I'm just going to skim over this passage of scripture tonight. There's no possible way I can go into any depth with this. So I ask you go home, you take some time to read this passage of scripture, that you allow it to speak to you and that you take the truths that are from it. So in our reading tonight, the first person we read about is Mary. And so Mary goes off to the tomb and she goes very early in the morning. It was still dark as she goes to the tomb. And she sees that the stone has been rolled away. And John's primary focus is on Mary and her interaction with Jesus in this account. And we know from the other Gospels that Mary didn't go to the tomb on her own. There were, in fact, five other women that went with her. And these women were going uh, to finalise the preparations of Jesus' body for total burial. They had no other expectation than that they were going to come and they were going to find Jesus dead and that they would get to do um, the things that they needed to do. In fact, as they walked along, we know from the other Gospels that they were concerned about who was going to move the stone for them. How are we going to get that to happen? And that stone had been put in place and it had a wax seal upon it. There were four Roman guards in front of it and uh, there were 16 guards in total that worked on a rotation through the night to make sure that no one broke in and did anything to that tomb. And so... They were going with the expectation that they would just find Jesus dead. And the thing was, on their way, this great earthquake occurred. And the earthquake occurred because this angel came from heaven and the angel simply lifted up that rock that was sealing the tomb, the round stone that sealed the tomb, and threw it aside. And then the angel went and sat on that stone and waited for the people to come. How big was the stone that was rolled away from the tomb? This high? No, higher, lower, lower. Oh, they're saying higher. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) It's actually about that high. And they're all over Israel. And it weighs about a ton, ton and a half. And it's put in a track, a sloping track. So when they take the wedge out from under it, it slides in front of the hole of the tomb and it seals it. It's incredibly hard to get back up again. You wouldn't do it on your own. You'd need a group of people to be able to do it. And this angel picks it up and throws it aside. Uh, This is actually in the garden tomb in Israel. And um, that stone is actually about from me to Kelly away from the hole 
uh, in the tomb. They say that's where they found it. And so somehow with this particular tomb in the garden tomb, this rock had been picked up and moved aside. And uh, I believe that that is the burial place of Christ, but it doesn't matter anyway because the tomb's empty. That's the main point. But the angel moved this stone aside and sat on it and waited. And uh, Pastor Darrell will give you this whole analogy about how the angel sat on that stone and then just eyeballed the guards and the guards feared and ran away. But uh, I'm not sure if that happened, but something happened. But Mary doesn't encounter the angels on her first visit to the tomb, according to John's Gospel. And so she comes and she sees that the stone has been moved. She sees the empty tomb. And Mary doesn't think that Jesus has risen at all. That's not her expectation. And she runs off and she goes and she finds Simon Peter and she finds the other disciple who is John, the one whom Jesus loved. And she says to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And she doesn't know where they've taken him to. Her implication is that someone has stolen Jesus' body. That can be the only explanation, can't it? People don't rise from the dead. It simply doesn't happen. And she runs off and she tells them. And Peter and John, when they hear it, um, they race back. And of course, Peter being older than John, John being younger, beats Peter to the tomb. We don't know why that's included, but uh, he outruns Peter and he gets there first. And it seems that John hesitates when he gets to the tomb. And keep in mind, the tomb's about this high. You have to bob down to look in. And, and John gets to that point and he looks inside, but Peter, he rushes in and he must almost dive through so he can see inside the tomb. And we know that John stooped down, he looked in and he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. And Peter arrives and what does Peter do? He rushes in and he goes inside. He sees the linen cloths lying there and then the face cloth off to the side. And it's interesting that they see this and they don't fully understand. Mary said that they'd taken Jesus' body and it would seem that as Peter arrives, he's of the same mind. Yes, Jesus' body's definitely being taken, but he doesn't think about the fact that the grave clothes are still there. What robber would come and unwrap someone and put the grave clothes down there nice and neat and tidy and just swipe the body? But John, seems John's a little different. John comes... He'd reached the tomb first and he goes in after Peter and he saw Jesus' body gone and he believed. He believed that Jesus had been risen from the dead, but he hadn't yet tied that to scripture. He didn't understand the full implications of what had actually happened. And John must have looked upon those grave clothes. And you just think about what those grave clothes were like. The bodies were first wrapped and then they had a shroud over them. Um, Pastor Darrell mentioned the shroud of Taran this morning. I'm not 100% convinced, but some say that is the shroud that was over Jesus' body. And when you look at these grave clothes, it's just as if the body rose through them and they just flattened. They're all there in place, exactly where they should have been. They weren't unraveled and thrown on the floor or anything like that. And then the cloth that would have been put over Jesus' face when they took him off the cross was just off to the side. Something has occurred. And John believes that Jesus rose. Peter's not so sure. John saw and believed. And the disciples returned to where they were staying. staying, And as they've returned, Mary at some time has come back to the tomb. And she's there in the garden. 
And she finally stoops down and looks in. And she's weeping. And she sees two angels in white. One sitting where the body of... Oh, sorry, both sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying. One at the head and one at the foot. And what really amazes me about the passage of Scripture when it talks about this... Um, I'm not sure about you, but when I think about the other encounters that people have with angels, uh, the vast majority of them are in great fear. There is some response and reaction to uh, seeing angels, and Mary's just like, oh yeah, a couple of angels, that's cool. See, Mary is a woman who had been possessed by seven spirits. She is well aware of the spiritual realm. And she's a woman who desperately loves Jesus. She knows what Jesus has done for her. And she comes to this grave. She sees the angels. And I think she would trigger, yeah, there's something special about these guys. I'm not sure if she would have realized they were angels. But she didn't fear them. She didn't have the same response as others did. And so she just has this conversation. And the angels look upon her. They can see that she's upset. And the other thing that's really amazing here... it came to my mind and Pastor Darrell said the same thing this morning these angels are sitting where Jesus was laid one at the foot one at the head and the only other place in scripture I can think of where there's two angels together like that is the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies and that was the place where the great high priest went into once a year and communicated with God on behalf of the people and when we think about Jesus when we think about these angels sitting one at his foot one at his head this is now the way that we communicate with God. Jesus becomes our great high priest and he has gone into the holy of holies. He is at the right hand of God mediating for us even now. And I don't think that's a coincidence. It may be. We may be looking, reading too much into that. But for me, this is an incredible thing and it's saying this is now the way you interact with God. This is now the way you communicate. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the only way. And Mary sees these angels Jesus' death and resurrection brings about this great change for us where we communicate to the Lord through him. And the angels look upon Mary. Mary's weeping so much that she can't see clearly. And the angels, in my opinion, are a little bit confused. And it's like, woman, why are you weeping? Surely this is a time for celebration. The one who is dead is now alive and he's going to be with you and he's going to do great and amazing things. And they're like, woman, why are you weeping? And Mary says... They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know what they've done with him. I don't know where they've laid him. And the angels appear to be wanting to understand why Mary is so sad. And the other gospels that are recorded uh, as asking why she is looking for the living amongst the dead. Sorry, the angels are recorded as saying, why uh, are you looking for the living amongst the dead? And Mary doesn't get it. She doesn't understand what they're saying. And on both accounts, it seems that the angels are very perplexed that Mary wouldn't be celebrating. And in the middle of this exchange, something happens, and we don't know what happens. Perhaps it was a footfall behind Mary. Perhaps the angels, you know, because they worshipped Jesus, perhaps the angels suddenly saw Jesus and they looked past Mary to Jesus outside the tomb. And you know yourself, if you're talking to someone and you're eye to eye and suddenly they look over your shoulder, it's like, oh, what? And so Mary turns and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognise Jesus as being who he is. She thinks he's the gardener. And she's so caught up in her grief that she can't get past it. She's so broken. 
Jesus did so much for her. She thought he was the promised Messiah. She thought that he was going to be responsible to do great things upon this earth. She thought she knew what was going to happen. And now someone has taken his body. She can't even honour him in death. And Jesus repeats the question that the angels asked, Why are you weeping? And who are you seeking? Mary has no idea what she's saying, really. She thinks, as I said, that this is the gardener. And she says, well, if you've taken Jesus, tell me where you've laid his body and I will go and get him. And that's like Elena saying, tell me where Jeff is and I'll pick him up and I'll bring him back. A dead weight. There is no way that Mary's capable of carrying Jesus. She just wants Jesus so much, she doesn't understand what he's saying. And then Jesus says, Mary, as only Jesus can. And she turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, not Rabbi. Rabbi is teacher, Rabboni is teacher. Rabboni is my teacher. It becomes so personal. She sees Jesus as all she needs. And she rushes to him. And I imagine her doing one of those kneel slides, you know. She just hits the ground and she slides to him. She wraps her arms around his legs. She's just so overjoyed to see him. He's alive. My saviour, Jesus, is alive. No one's taking him. He is here. He is present. He is alive. And she, I, I could just imagine her going, I can be with him. I can spend this time with him. We can be together. He isn't dead. And Jesus says, don't cling to me. Just take a couple of breaths and take a step back. I'm not leaving yet, Mary. You will see me again. It's okay. We'll have some time together. But what I want you to do, I want you to go and tell the brothers. Think about that. This is the first time Jesus has addressed the disciples like that. I want you to go and tell the brothers that I am ascending to your father and my father, to my God and your God. And that adoption is the words behind that as well. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the most high God. And Jesus says, go off and tell them. And she does exactly that. She says... I have seen the Lord. And she relays to them everything that Jesus had told her to say. And I just think this is a beautiful account of Mary and Jesus. I think it's an incredible thing. And I want you to think about the resurrection. And I mean, let's be honest. It's impossible, isn't it? People don't rise from the dead. But in our faith, The wages of sin is death. Jesus couldn't stay dead. The resurrection is the only logical thing that could have happened. Jesus lived without sin. Death could not hold him. And so he returned to life. It was the only thing that could possibly happen. So what's all this mean for us?
The finished work on the cross. Jesus taking our sin upon himself is proven because Jesus rose from the dead. The power of sin and death has been defeated. And we have life in Jesus Christ because of all that he has done. He died in your and my place. That's the truth of the word. That is exactly what has happened. But I want you to think about Mary. I think there is no... Um, it, this isn't a coincidence that Mary was used. Um, I think you'd be amazed how many times someone has sat opposite me and said, Charlie, if you only knew how bad I was, if you only knew the sins that I'd committed, if you only understood just how terrible and how constantly I sin, you wouldn't even be speaking to me. Nothing could be further from the truth because I know how bad I was. But the thing is, Mary is the person who's put into this account and into this story. Mary was possessed by seven demons. Mary was doing some things that were really bad. And Jesus accepts her. Jesus loves her. And it is Mary that is used in so many ways which are so counter to culture at that time. Mary was one of those terrible sinners, but she was forgiven and she came to know Jesus' forgiveness in a very real and powerful way. And Jesus not only forgave Mary, but he preordained her to be the witness who would tell others about himself. Think about the culture of the day. This is a day and an age where women were not even permitted to be a witness in court because they were considered totally unreliable. That's not just me saying this. That's history. And so Jesus says, you know what? The first person who's going to be a witness to my resurrection is going to be a woman because of how downtrodden they are in society. And I'm going to use this woman to even tell my own followers that I have risen from the dead. And so it is Mary who carries that message to the disciples and he has empowered her to do such a thing. And she is a witness when others would say that is not possible. She's called not to cling to Jesus. He wants Mary to go out from this position of feeling him, of being close to him, of sensing his presence, to trusting what he says. And some of you ex have experienced that when you've come forward to me and you've said, Charlie, I, I, I read my Bible, I pray, I do everything I used to do, but I don't feel Jesus anymore. I won't get you to call out what my response is because it's the same to each and every one of you. Praise God, isn't that awesome? And you're like, what? Because this is Jesus taking you deeper in his relationship with you. Feelings are fickle. We can't rely on them. Feelings are given to enhance experience, which is true. But if we just want to feel Jesus all the time, we will never go deeper. We will never understand the truth and promises that are contained in his word. And so we must stand on his word regardless of our feelings, regardless of our outward experiences. And we must trust his word to be true. So when those feelings go... He's calling us to go deeper with him. He's calling us to trust him and trust his word. And so don't cling to Jesus. Don't, don't cling to those feelings and sensing his presence. Hold fast to what his word says. Trust what he words, his word says. And don't believe God has abandoned you. The word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So when those feelings go, that's not what's happened. If anyone's moved, it's you anyway. So just repent and go back. And the other thing is, Mary is called to tell others. As Jesus ascended, what did he do? He said to each and every one of us, go into all the world, making disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always.
even to the ends of the age. That's the commission for us. It's exactly what Mary was given. She was told to go and tell the brothers about Jesus, the fact that he has ascended. The, sorry, the fact that he's risen and he will ascend. And we're given the same commission. We are told to go and tell others. And we must do it. Because Jesus rose, our sins are forgiven. He paid the price once and for all. There is no sin that is not forgiven. And yes, you can quote the one, but I'm sure none of you have committed that sin. Jesus paid the price once and for all. And him rising from the dead proves that. Let's pray as we close the service. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, for how much you love us. I thank you that Jesus came and died in my place. And I thank you that he rose from the dead to prove that he had victory over sin and death. Father, I pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to accept that. I pray that each and every one of us will realize none of us are too bad for you. None of us are beyond your reach. And Lord, if there's some of us who need to do work with you this evening, if there's some of us who need to repent, some of us who need to recommit, I pray we'll be willing to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, as you head into the week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. Read his word. Apply it to your lives. Be diligent in living for him. In Jesus' name. Guys, I've got the questions. Please.